0: Well, hello and welcome to yet another session of Linking the Travel Industry, where we talk about the most recent travel industry-related news. Um, my name is Ryan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Agentivity, where we help agents achieve insight, control and growth with the booking data in their agency. And as usual, I'm joined today by Anne and Ash, who I quickly want to ask for an introduction. But before we get there, some house rules. Uh, we do record the session so uh, just be aware of that if you do want to participate which we absolutely welcome that this will be recorded because uh, we turn this into a podcast the details of which we will give you towards the end of the session if you are from the press and you want to cover anything we discuss here today please do we encourage that but if you're going to quote somebody please ask them for their permission first otherwise before we get on to the show can I just quickly ask Anne and Ash welcome both can you just introduce yourself
1: Thank you, Brian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Linking the Travel Industry. I'm Anne Cedar Hall, and um, I work as an independent consultant in the travel industry uh, with both um, LeapShift and with ExploreTech. Over to you, Ash.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Ash, and I am the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel? Additionally, I'm the vice president of sales at Traxo.
0: Thank you both, and it's very nice to see some familiar faces in the audience there. Mohit, welcome. Um, George, I'm just going to say that as your name, welcome. Thank you for joining us, um, and all the others as well. Obviously, last week we had uh, the sad news about the passing of the Queen here in the UK, where i um, now, and that's really filled my feed quite <laughs> substantially. Ash, obviously, this is a, a global, you know, event, etc. We talked about it briefly before coming on air. How was the news received on that side?
2: it's a overall sadness um across the world uh did everybody expect this to happen at some point in the future sure i think it happened quite suddenly which was part of the sadness um i don't think anybody had enough time to prepare or get ready and there was very little information about that but overall it's a it's quite a sad occasion and you know i know we'll be tuning in for the funeral and behalf of everybody that i know you know there's been a great deal of a feeling towards um the queen and how she was such a um, one of the most amazing monarchs as they call her now and and it's uh it's quite sad so you know condolences and and thoughts go out to everybody in the uk and we're definitely going to miss her
0: absolutely ash and thank you for those words um and, and i suppose um similar
1: feelings over there right Oh, absolutely! Uh, and uh, like I was saying the other day, it, it does actually feel like you've lost your grandmother. I know it sounds strange um, to me personally. I was I was very shocked in in a, I mean, even though like, like Arch was saying, she was a, a pretty old lady, but um, there's an enormous sense of loss somehow.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: She's been the only queen that I've known yeah of my life <laughs> yes <laughs> right so yeah. it's, it's a, you know she's been there for so long it's almost like pillar yeah. now is missing and you kind of wonder what's going to happen next
0: i mean just to come on my side on that thing i mean an absolute beacon of stability um but having said that i think you know king charles has reacted quite quickly by you know getting the continuity going and making sure that that things progress fast, and uh, that's you know been the case. So I think that helps a lot with that question you just asked there about what happens next. Yeah, you know, what they've done in the meantime. So very good. Well, for us, so some of the stories from last week. I mean, the first story I posted about last week was uh, a post I saw by the Huntington Travel Group, where they reported about the very strange uh, decision by the Israeli government to ban four engine aircraft over Israeli airspace because of a you know suggested noise pollution. It's a very strange um, decision it hasn't come into force yet it's meant to come into force next year but as many pointed out in the comments you know um, the future aircraft might have 20 engines you know but they might be electric it, it's all it's all it's all very strange and people are asking you know does a four engine aircraft make substantially more noise than a two engine aircraft it's it seems a very strange decision. I don't have much more insight into this. I don't know if you saw this story, Anne, and what you made of it. And um...
1: yes, I, I did see it, and and I totally. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's very strange, and I I, I fully agree with the comments. Do actually four engines make much more noise than than two? I, I don't have the operational insights into this at all. Maybe someone in the audience would would know this topic better. But yeah. Came across as very strange.
2: For my side, I think there's always a story behind the story. There is something else going on here and, you know, it's being presented this way. The main uh, national airline, it's LL, right? And it looks like LL has a great relationship with Boeing. And Boeing doesn't make 747s, which I think is the only four-engine aircraft from Boeing. So maybe this is a play where LL now has an excuse not to get an Airbus.
0: Are suggesting this politics are playing airline business? What a shocking revelation! I don't know. But,
2: um, I don't know. This seems kind of uh... yes.
0: Something's up there for sure. So that was uh...
2: <laughs> maybe militarily there's something here as well. So yeah. I, I don't believe it's anything to do with noise and air pollution. Yeah. No.
0: I would. I would second that absolutely. My next space was about. Um, Two airlines or or two stories relating to airlines where they are flexing their muscle and threatening to reduce support for a specific airport, either because of cost or other delays or red tape. The first one uh, was Stefan telling us about United Airlines and their threat to JFK. Um, He's supposed to actually talked about, you know, how relatively unlikely that is given, you know, the... Many reasons, including the partnership with Emirates, who of course you know flies into JFK, and the second one was about Ryanair and their relationship with Athens that they've terminated now, and also threatening to do the same with Brussels Airport and 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 so on. So this is interesting. I mean, you know um, that the airlines have so much um, clout, if you want, that they can you know reduce their support uh, to an airport and then um, you know demand uh, certain things. So that was just a very interesting story. Did you pick up on this, Anne? What do you make of it?
1: Yes, I did. And I'm not so surprised, really, with uh, with Ryanair. Uh, I think it is uh, it is this continuous sort of struggle and, and fight in, in Belgium. It wasn't in Brussels or Sabina, once upon a time, one of the most strike-prone airlines in the world? So that's sort of what's probably behind some of this. And then, of course, They can show and flex their muscles because weren't they the fourth largest airline in the world now, Ryanair? No wonder. That's a lot of power. Absolutely. In
0: Ryanair's case, they will probably, you know, get some stuff to move around in that case, because like Mm. you say, they do do have a massive impact when they have a route that they're operating and related employment around that route, etc. Exactly. um,
1: It's a lot of jobs, right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So um, I think something will happen there. I mean, Stefan's post about United is confirming to me that it's probably unlikely that that will happen. But still, you know, it's interesting that they use that to, to flex their muscles there. What did you make of that, Ash?
2: Are we talking about both stories at the same time, the Ryanair and United together? We, we are, we are. Yes. You know, it's still morning here. So when you guys started doing that, wait a minute, what's going on?
0: <laughs> but surely, uh, surely so, on your side, the United uh, threat to JFK you know, popped up in your feed, right? You saw that.
2: Yeah. No, I saw that. And, you know, United spent a lot of energy to try to get back into JFK because they used to be there a long time ago. Then they left JFK and now they want to come back into JFK. Obviously, they won JFK because of the international uh, routes and the international connections, among other things. And Newark is obviously just so large, and there's only so much you can do at Newark. JFK, of course, has a lot more um, options and much bigger infrastructure. The airport is much larger. Uh, Terminals are huge. So you get a lot of the international capabilities that come in JFK. So I think United Airlines is trying to get itself ready because one of the largest impacts that United has made over the last six months or so is its international uh, London routes. And of course, if you want London, you got to have JFK. Of course, what you mentioned earlier on Emirates. And one of the things that Ryanair and Southwest here in the US and other airlines around the world, they're all part of a low cost model. And so if you start adding taxes to their fares and the fares start increasing, then the low cost is out the window. So I think you have a little bit of concern from them on that side as well
0: george very nice to see you back on stage thank you for raising your hand and getting on stage uh, how, how have you been and what's your comment on the story
3: hi everyone again i couldn't resist because um i i noted, i saw this uh, this uh, like a bit less than a week ago then uh it, it was a quite a big news for uh, greece a couple of weeks ago when they announced ryanair announced uh, that they're suspending their base uh they had uh three aircraft, if I'm not wrong, uh, based in Athens, and they were doing quite a regional job uh, over here. Uh, Athens Airport has a quite um, a rebating strategy um, year-end uh, for airlines, new route development, and uh, various incentives for all the carriers. It's a published um, incentive scheme. Uh, it's valid for everyone. Can, no one can have Uh, let's call it uh, differentiation in terms of uh, favoriting certain uh, lines. And they are um, delivering these incentives between brackets on marketing, let's say, scheme of uh, facilitation, advertisement, et cetera. So Ryanair, since the beginning, they were quite a lot um, uh, benefiting from from all this rebating. Uh, They've been a little bit delayed on that process. And, you know, Ryanair... Uh, as I also posted, they are flexing, as you said, as well. They're flexing some muscle because they practically want to talk uh, institutional. They they are delivering a message to the uh, government and uh, and to the airport as well. Um, show me some money, otherwise you will see how much you will be losing. And the same now they are I see they're doing in Brussels when they uh, impose this new tax in in Belgium. Um, they were totally dissatisfied, so immediately they are calling off their base. And uh, and when are they doing it? During the winter period, which is the lowest, and um, during this uh, particular 22, 23 winter, things are going to be, generally everybody's admitting, quite tricky and quite, let's call it, uh, challenging uh, in terms of uh, commercial um, possibilities. Uh, Well, they immediately... Uh, call for uh, for more money, and uh, this is how the the their model actually their low cost model as a low cost has been evolved uh, along the years together with other European airlines like Wizz Air and, and and some Jet as well. They're, practically, they're basing a lot on the on the marketing uh, rebates that they're getting from the airports and the institutions. Thank you.
0: Thank you, George. Uh, before you step off, can I just ask you do you, like us, expect that in, in Ryanair's case, they will eventually have the upper hand and get what they want?
3: Well, I believe for Greece's case, yeah, they are, I, I read some articles that they're working already on the new incentive scheme. So I believe they already got, got the, the message. I don't know about Belgium.
0: My next story that i posted about was about um and i'm trying to try and pronounce his name correctly because we did listen to it last week on the on his profile shashank um posting about the question you ask about airline amenity kits and do we still need them given you know sustainability issues etc and there were some interesting comments there i think and you also comment on that from how you like what singapore airlines does by giving you a choice etc i think it's high time Right, that we ask these. I mean, I personally like the guy in the post was saying, you know, I've got plenty of these that end up completely wasted and um, not really used. So um, I think everybody should be in agreement here. I can't see anybody disagreeing. But let's hear. Um, and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, precisely that. I think it's it's high time that you know it should be on demand. And and if you you know you need something in particular, I mean, just the knowledge that you can. You can ask for it on board should really suffice in my book. I don't understand it. I've got the same thing. I've got a whole basket full of these.
0: Absolute you know, waste in that is, is extraordinary. Yeah. Ash, what are your thoughts on this?
2: So I come from the opposite side of this conversation. I love amenity kits. I love them. I think they're cool. They're fun. They have so many purposes beyond just the obvious of what you're getting in that moment. And it's always fun to open them up and see what's inside. I
0: I knew this answer was coming, but let me ask you some questions. Yeah, like there's just so much like you you never
2: know what you're going to get. Like there's like little this, little that. Okay, now
0: you you say multiple purpose. So give us some examples of how else that you use, make use of those little bags.
2: Okay, so for example… Those little lotions that you get, right? Sometimes, I mean, obviously you're not going to finish them in the one sitting on that aircraft, right? So you save them. And then when you get to the hotel, you know, you have a lotion. Or if you're at the conference and you wash your hands, your hands feel dry and you you have a lotion. The purpose is beyond just the aircraft. And then the bags that they come in, those bags have so many purposes. Like I put my international power plugs in them just so that when I travel again, it's now in a little pouch. Those pouch things is what I'm talking about. Like, I love them. I think they're great. And I don't want them to ever get rid of those things.
4: You know, this is a a really, really good topic. And uh, uh, while uh, I don't want to say who's right, who's wrong, just like the other speaker said, this, an amenity kit is something which you look forward to and many people may not have use for it. So I, I really don't really want to worry about what others make of it. It is useful. It is useful because if you know you're flying, let's say, X airline or Y airline, and you know they provide very good kits, then you don't carry those things with you because you know exactly what you're going to get, number one. Number two, you have great use for those things and you don't duplicate the efforts of the airline vis-a-vis your packing. So these are two important points. Yeah, I don't carry those things with me. I know those things are available in a hotel, so I don't trouble the hotel. And if you're environment-friendly, then just take the amenity kit from the airline. If you refuse that, then use it from the hotel. Why do you want to pack those things? George, I agree, but I've,
0: I've, I've walked through so many aircraft at the end when you disembark and you see those kids just flying around and being completely wasted. I think I'd be more in favor of them, you know, maybe asking if you want one and giving people the
4: option to maybe. Sure, you know, sure, you know, sure, sure. On. That I agree too. I agree okay. with that. Let's talk
2: about something that is obvious, which is the amenity kids are not given to everybody on the plane. Right, they're given to people in first in business class, right? Maybe premium economy. So, what we're really talking about is elite people get the kits, and not everybody else. Maybe we're just upset as we see it laying around because we're like, we didn't get one, and if we got one, we would have kept it.
0: <laughs> We've got uh, George from athens again. I agree with Ash.
3: Yes. I, I agree with Ash. But uh, we have to also understand the clientele. The clientele we're talking about—they're few. They are well big spenders. Them or their companies, and. Um, What I would suggest is not to uh, spend money as an airline for producing those and sometimes they become even cheap or um, not useful really. Uh, I would make money out of them as an airline. uh, I would probably go for making money out of them in terms of ancillary um, money. I would bring uh, all the big brands that they would kill uh, to be in front of a traveler audience between brackets. Um, or uh, testers um, that, uh, that would be reaching them quite, uh, quite uh, directly and uh, I would get um, to try the quality of the products and then let them pay me you know, in order to have them on board. But there are quite so many brands out there that would really kill to be in a kind of especially on airlines that they have quite a status. Uh, I would do that. That's what uh, that's my. personal feedback I think feedback
2: on that. I think many of the smart airlines are actually doing that, and I have actually been introduced to many brands yeah. that I never knew about before by this experiences. I mean, so I think that there's definitely a little bit of that going on already.
0: Definitely, yes. uh, because there is. that's I, good. Yeah, you can see, you can see it as well because they would they would put the brands on there as well, and you could see that the airline clearly didn't pay for that, but actually got paid to to have the product placing there. So. Now, I didn't expect this topic to raise so much discussion, but Daniel, you've you've raised your hand, you've joined us on stage. Would you do a quick introduction and give us your opinion on the story?
5: Yeah, hey everyone, Dan Giles from Accenture. First time listening, it's very interesting. Nice to talk to you all. Just kind of listening to this conversation, which is really interesting. Uh, I'm in Australia right now, flew over here with uh, Qatar in business. And I think someone made a point earlier about the amenity kits are for premium travelers. The amenity kits have kind of been around for a long time and I think it's time we upgraded that premium experience. So uh, when you're checking in, wouldn't it be great if uh, you were asked, and not just asked, you do you want a kit? But maybe also ask, you know, what do you want so we can personalize your kit? Do you want, you know, lotions and stuff or maybe some chocolates or, you know, something a bit different? Or do you not want a kit at all and maybe we'll even plant a tree or donate something to charity, you know, on your behalf? So I think um, there's a little bit of scope here to have a much more personalized experience with the airline.
1: That's an excellent um, opinion you've got there, Daniel. Um, That's actually something I raised when I commented on this post. I said, I would love to specify what I want the kit to include. I really don't want to bring my own slippers, but I do, right? If I, you know, they're not provided. So yes, it would be an excellent product offer.
2: Yeah, those are great ideas, Anne and Daniel. The airlines can't even get my bags there properly. I am (laughs) definitely not going to depend on them to make sure my kit is done properly.
1: (laughs) Oh, I can't stop laughing. This is really too much, guys.
0: On my list of posts, the last one on my list last week was about Fleer uh, that went into a, a big promotion amongst the corporates and offering a, a big discount up to 50%. Um, and I know you uh, wrote this post and there was a fair amount of comments there, including by Pedro. Uh, let's start with you and, and what you just, just you just want to remind us what you made of this, uh, this move by Fleer.
1: I thought it was an interesting move um, because it is a large discount. It did also raise a, a lot of comments. I was really surprised how many wanted to comment on this. And it was everything from route net to, you know, length of uh, the discount period. And and it was, it was pretty endless with all the comments. I was a bit sort of ambivalent. I can see, I think that Jay Sorensen pointed out that, Hey, you know, if you haven't really got very many corporate clients, what have you got to lose? And, and that's a very fair point. Is a 50% discount, is it too big a discount? That was my immediate thought. And then I kind of said to myself, well, yeah, why not? You know, depending, of, of course, on, on the market that they can attract, because the corporate contract would be quite lengthy, most probably a year. So how how do you think they are
0: doing in that space at the moment?
1: I really don't know enough, but I don't I don't see them growing in this space. I think they've had a bit of an uphill battle with the as you know, Rian, uh, the, the Nordic market is not really an NDC market at all. Scandinavian airlines and Norwegian don't have any NDC. There is no driver for the uh, TMCS or the agency community to really implement these solutions. I think that sort of uh, affects them as well.
0: I mean, me personally, it leans towards a sort of desperation move to get that business. But it, it I might be missing something there. That uh, you know, I don't have enough insight there to comment as well. But it just, it's, it's substantial. That you know, kind of a move, and it, it does sound like it's. Um A little bit desperate, but that's just my personal thoughts. It's not based on anything other than that. So I don't know whether you've got any comments on this, Ash.
2: I think that this might be a strategic move, uh, possibly with the idea that if you offer more amenities, and that's why they're focusing on the flex fare, that business travelers will be attracted to it. Because once you experience fast track, once you experience no cost for seat selection and bags, you start to say, hey, this is a pretty good experience. So, And the fact that it's 50% off now ties you. So I think this is a long term strategy, possibly, that is focused on the most premium uh, level fare, which delivers the highest level of service.
1: Personally, I really wonder if the SME market is is you know big enough in, in this part of the world. But that's just a personal observation. And I think that when you do these kind of promotions as well, you should have a pretty strong corporate um solution, let's call it an NDC solution to back you up. I think it'll be interesting to to follow this.
0: Absolutely. We'll keep an eye on it. <laughs>
2: Qantas Airlines has just made an announcement that starting on November 29th of this year, travel agencies will be able to access lower prices of Australian domestic fares on the Qantas distribution platform. And this platform, obviously, agents have to sign into it. So it's outside of the GDS. And so in order to get these lower fares, you have to use the Qantas distribution platform. So I thought that was really interesting. What I am wondering about is that will these fares be the same as what you find on Qantas.com, meaning that the business traveler is getting the same price directly anyway. So what is Qantas distribution platform doing for the agent other than just allowing them to match the pricing? Because clearly this is a anti-GDS move.
0: It's fascinating for me, I'm sure for Anne as well, how this is sort of new to the U.S. market, whereas here it's very common. Um, Almost every airline here will have some form of agent portal, where the agent can log in and and do those bookings, but at a you know at a better than GDS fare if you want. And that's at the end of the day, all it is, Ash. It's uh, it's it's a lower. Cost of distribution for the airline. It doesn't always work. I mean, and I'm sure you'll comment on the co- cost and complexities for the airline to actually offer that service, which in the end could be almost as high as a GDS cost in some cases. But it's pretty common here, Rosh, and it benefits pretty much mm-hmm. only the airline.
1: You and I, Rianne, we've really gone into this in depth. The difference between the North American market and the European market, and we can clearly here see that the Australian is following the European market that it's about the fares, because in North America, it's very much about content. When we're talking NDC or moving away, let's call it moving away from the GDS. The reason for that, Ash, is that most of the American carriers are in full content agreements, um, meaning that they cannot differentiate, um, except for Hawaiian who have left their full content agreement, and hence the now lawsuit um, being sued by Sabre. But yeah, it's nothing new to us. It's really just Qantas following the European style uh, approach. That uh, so the fares will be the same on the Qantas website, definitely, and most probably the content as well. That you can have if you have additional better content, uh, that will be available on the Qantas website, but also on this platform for the agents.
0: And I think my comment on that was that they're not even trying to cover this up. They're just talking about the fact that this is better yeah. fares. That's it. They're not even saying, oh, there's, you know, other content, you know, or yeah. extra functionality or anything like that. And it's it's actually a huge inconvenience to the agent, Ash. As you can imagine, you just pointed out they have to interrupt a a process flow mm-hmm. in the GDS, leave that, go to the website, log in. That in itself creates other problems with regards to identifying the, 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 the booker and who made the booking and process flows for following up and back office entries. And it's endless. It's not, uh, it's not a very convenient solution, but at the end of the day, it's a lower fare. And, you know, for some markets, that's going to work, but it doesn't always work. The ultimate cost in the uh-huh. end adds up and it, it's very difficult to, to get that, uh, to work correctly.
1: No, I mean we can we can see that it doesn't always work, right? Because we see that the sort of um, adoption rates of of NDC is around ten percent, and it's it's not really increasing. Um,
0: Ash, do you have another story? We've got uh, three minutes left, or shall we pass over to Anne?
2: Let's pass over to Anne.
1: All right. Thanks. Well, I wanted to, to bring up, uh, and I meant to really last week this, um, win by Datalex of EasyJet. I thought that really caught my attention and, uh, congratulations to Datalex. It's, really, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's a huge win. The Datalex product will be implemented as a, but they will certainly do the offer and order management system or the orchestration of EasyJet's platform or EasyJet.com. That's a that's a big win. I mean, EasyJet is a, is a big airline.
0: My thoughts on this is that I think EasyJet is going to set a high standard there. I mean, they've done very well in consumer mm-hmm. user interface processes, yes. et cetera. And I think I think DataLex will have to step up um, to meet that. But it is obviously good news for DataLex because I imagine they've bled quite a bit um, from the Asian business that they've had, right? The more severe impact of COVID in those markets so they must have had a bit of a difficulty yeah and so,
1: yeah and also following the Lufthansa uh, termination that's, that's right yeah that's right so yeah, yeah it is good news for them yeah.
0: thanks for bringing us that story that brings us to the end of the session from my side I just want to thank everybody in the audience who listened in today and joined us again it's really good to see some familiar faces there and for those who joined us on stage thank you so much for giving us your insights once again
2: thank you so much thank you for for having me and as a reminder, everyone, this call is every Monday and it's all about linking the travel industry. So please tell everybody that you know about it. If you enjoyed the session, chances are high that other people that you know will also enjoy the session. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, you can always catch up on this session as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.